And now on Overnights, Entertainment with Simon Foster. Mr. Foster, among other things, is host of the entertainment podcast, Screen Watching. Hi, Simon. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Jeffries. I'm very well, having returned from my sojourn to the southern capital where I had my uh, science fiction film festival. And thank you to all the patrons who came out and saw the movies. We had a good few days, so it was a good time. I remember we talked about that. So it went well? It did go well, yes. Got down there on Friday night for a very successful opening salvo of films and then uh, five sessions across Saturday, which were well attended and just wrapped things up tonight or last night in, in Melbourne. And so was it kind of like Comic-Con? I mean, did people turn up with Spock ears and things? <laughs> Only me, which was a bit awkward. No, um, uh, no, it wasn't a dress-up thing. We didn't really have those kind of movies this time around. We encourage that and we'll certainly sort of aim for that in the future, but this was very much just a uh, T-shirt and shorts court sort of a weekend. Okay. It would have been fun, though. I do like those science fiction movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've kept me entertained over the years. Okay, let's have a look at what's going this week. Zone of Interest, what's that all about? Finally, we get to see the film that is uh, slowly creeping up on Oppenheimer as the the film to win a bunch of Oscars in a few weeks' time. This is the German... Well, it's actually a British film directed by Jonathan Glazer, um, but it's about uh, Commandant Rudolf Hurst and his wife Hedwig and the family that they're raising in a beautiful sort of middle-class setting right outside the walls of the concentration camp that he um, oversees. This is a very powerful film about um, just how blind to the suffering of of mankind uh, we can be to achieve our sort of middle-class suburban dreams. I don't want to make light of it, which that description sort of does. um, This is a film which tells a different version, another perspective on the Holocaust, um, which has been sort of well-documented in a lot of great films and documentaries and shows over the years. This one is a totally unique vision. And while it talks about the banality of evil, like how sort of (coughs) removed from the horrors of the world, even when they're that close by to us, um, it also talks about what we're willing to endure to maintain sort of a middle-class bourgeois lifestyle so this is um yeah this is one of the films of the year it sounds pretty interesting actually because the thing about monsters is that they're not immediately recognizable as such and uh, even though they might be monsters some of their values are the same as everybody else's aren't they that's a great way of putting it and that's what you start to that's what sneaks up on you in this film because Yes, they're you know Nazi officers and SS officers, but they're living the lives of bureaucrats. They're living the life of middle management. They're living yeah. all the while. You can see the plumes of smoke, and you can hear in the distance the the, the screaming and the, the the occasional machine gun fire. So you know what's going on forty meters away from them, but you know that you also can comprehend the life they're leading as as just this family with work and family issues like the rest of us, of course. It's not like the rest of us. So uh, we got one Cohen brother left. Uh, the other guy, what's he done? He's retired or something. He left the business. Yeah, Ethan Cohen has. Uh, they've well, they've decided to part their ways. Ethan and Joel Cohen, in terms of the um, uh, work they do together, the great Cohen brothers films. But Ethan's yeah. now made this new film, Drive Away Dolls, All right. which is in cinemas now, and and it is a film. 
that harkens back, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons to one of the early Coen Brothers films, Raising Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. I'd actually go even further back than that. There was this crazy film called Crime Wave that um, was directed by Sam Raimi and written by the Coen Brothers. And it's got a, a similar sort of caper quality to it as Driveaway Dolls does. In Driveaway Dolls 2, uh, uh, lesbian friends decide to go on a road trip, not knowing that in the boot of their car is that sort of uh, the classic MacGuffin, the suitcase that they don't know they've got in there. Yeah. Um, and they suddenly find themselves being chased by, by crazy hitmen. So um, it's a caper film. It's also very much a, a, a same-sex affirmation film. Um, I don't think it's at all surprising that it's, it's released his time to the, the, the Mardi Gras celebrations here in Sydney. So oh, yeah. I think it's going to find a, 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 a... It's a lot of fun, although it is a very unusual and offbeat film, but it does have a lot of fun. Margaret Qualley in the lead role as one of the two uh, girls in the cast is just fantastic. So the initiating incident in this one, the main characters don't know anything about it. It's it's like it's not their fault. It just... It's, they, they decide to take a trip to Tallahassee, Florida. They go to a car rental place. Turns out this car rental place is just a front for some uh, evildoers. Oh. And the guy who runs the car rental place thinks that they're there to take the car to Tallahassee on nefarious business. But uh, they don't know that at all. Then when the other two hitmen turn up to actually collect the car, the car's gone and a chase ensues. So it's, it's a lot of fun. All the while, these two great actresses, Margaret Qualley and, and Geraldine Vizuanath, Sort of come to terms with the affection they have for each other, and uh, and although they're two very different people, they they find a love story. So while it's a cape, while it's a caper film, it's also very much a, a love story and a, and a, and a rom com along the way. Okay, so uh, I'm going to kind of miss the Coens. I really enjoyed some of their work over the years, and I was just thinking it's been said of their movies that the central character. Uh, starts the story with a bad decision and it gets worse from there. Yeah, that's a great way of describing a lot of Cohen characters. That's yeah. right. And you're right, together they have an amazing vision of the world and they've started to sort of explore their own point of view. I know, I think it was Joel made the, he did that version of with Denzel Washington of Hamlet, wasn't it? Or Macbeth, I can't remember, that was made for Apple TV. Oh, yeah. um, so they've got they've both got very distinctive points of view that gels brilliantly. We've yet to see if it can work uh, without each other's support. Society of the Snow. Netflix have got hold of another one of the big Oscar contenders. This is um, another film retelling of the crash of the Paraguayan uh, rugby team into the Andes in 1972, in which they were. Uh, all, all search and rescue efforts for them were abandoned and they turned to the unforgivable and the unthinkable to, to survive, and that was uh, cannibalism. Um, it's depicted in the film quite graphically, uh, but as it has happened with the, the crash survivors, it becomes rather matter-of-fact in the movie. You start not to even think about how these young men survived. What this film doesn't do is look at how they reintegrated into society after when they were rescued. Um, and all of them had terrible sort of feelings of guilt. There were suicides. There were, you know, they, some of them had to go to, to mental health institutions to survive. So this film skims over that. It's more a survival tale, um, but it's a very good film and, and, and wonderfully recreates the the uh, you know the, the survival techniques they had to go through and the plane crash sequence. I can guarantee this will not be an in-flight movie. <laughs> What's on this week's screen watching? 
What did we do this week? Well, Foxtel are launching their new set-top box, the Hubble box, and uh, my partner, the media analysis, Dan Barrett, does a deep dive into what exactly that means for our home viewing habits. Um, and also we have a look at a terrific new SBS series called Estonia about the most uh, uh, infamous ferry disaster in Scandinavian history. So, there's yeah, we talk quite a bit on this week and we do some good talking. Okay. Uh, just off the track a bit. I happened to, I didn't plan to, but it happened to be on. I saw the last bit of a Centrinians movie and then a carry-on movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, you know, okay, I know the comment would be they'd never make them now, but, but the English were so good at that sort of absurd farce, weren't they? They really were, um, and especially, uh, you know, you could tell that they were working-class people making these carry-on films and they were making fun of that upper British tier, that upper-class sort of silliness and, and right. ridiculousness. So, yeah, they, they, they wouldn't make them now. Maybe they should because it, it, it could do with it being taken down a peg or two occasionally, but they were very funny movies. You but, really should get it, your friend and mine, Dale Sinden, on to talk about because if anyone knows carry-on films, it's him. Okay, uh, but you're right. I mean, the common theme, I saw another one, Carry On Constable or something, and the common theme was subverting authority all the way through. Yep, that's exactly right. And and this a lot of them were made, I'm, I'm guessing, in the late 50s through the 60s. So um, cinema was kind of changing. It had sort of a cheekier edge to it. The, the Those that were controlling film around the world were... were um, Sort of opening up to fresher ideas, and and you know we look at the Carry On films now, and they seem very old-fashioned and 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 a bit puerile. But in the day, they you know they had a lot to say, and people responded to them. They were huge hits. I don't know how many were made off the top of my head. Is it what was it like eleven or twelve or something? I can't remember. I don't know, but they sure churned them out. Oh yeah, yeah, they were big hits for them, and then they became you know favourites on television as well, and all the stars became. Household names. Off the top of my head, I can name the actors, the only actor that appeared in all the Carry On films. Can you do that? Sid James. Kenneth Kenneth Williams. Oh, Kenneth Williams. Okay. That was Kenneth Williams, yeah. Because I was, I was looking at them thinking it's always Sid and Kenneth, and then there was a, a bit of a rotating list yeah. of the females that they would have. I always thought it was interesting. Sid James said, the secret to his success was he had no sense of humour at all. And I can kind of see that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Appreciate your time and comments. Thanks, Simon. Bye-bye. Okay. Simon Foster is host of the entertainment podcast Screen Watching.